All right, everyone, welcome finally to the uh, first pre-arranged live broadcast that has now been delayed about 10 minutes. This is Tavern Voices. I'm Kevin King, your host, and with me, as always, is my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Tyler Crawley. How goes it? <laughs> I know. I, I don't think we're supposed to do this show. I mean, we were going to start the software crashed. So like the whole, not just like our software, like the whole platform went down which is usually a bad sign. So I'm just going to say if this show is awful. It's because God was trying to tell us something and we chose not to listen. So, and, and, and of course it's the one time we've ever done this at a specific time live for a specific reason. And it went down, but thank you to everyone um, that is tuned in across our channels. We're broadcasting on Facebook and YouTube. So make sure you uh, add the page, uh, like subscribe, uh, what have you, but what's, uh, what's new in the news this week, Tyler? So I, mean, I, I was going to, I was actually, I was going to have a really good transition. I was going to say, Hey, is this software brought to us by China? Cause that nice. could explain a lot Very of what nice. is happening. So, uh, the first story I wanted to get into was the uh, story out of Bloomberg. I'm, that's where I saw it was being published. I'm sure everyone else picked it up as well, but the, the intelligence community is now certain that China absolutely lied about one how bad the outbreak was how many people died how many people got infected pretty much the entire thing the entire thing they lied we knew they lied about the transmission and could it could it happen human to human but now we know that they just straight up lied about everything and the reason that's a big deal is because a lot of the models that kevin and i talked about last week these uh, projection models are based on the success of what happened in china and so if China is essentially thrown out the window, there's a lot of models out there that probably need to be redone because um, we can't trust anything. I mean, we already knew it was like iffy, but now we know 100% we can't trust anything coming out of China. Yeah, I feel like last week we, uh, we I think we mentioned that, that there's no way that we can trust the stats from China. We That was something we could agree on. And like you said, a lot of models have been based on that preliminary data coming out of China uh, but my question is, why did it take the intelligence community a month to uh, to suddenly realize that China was, I mean, anybody with a brain, because they haven't reported a new case in like a week, which makes no sense whatsoever. So, well, no, wait, it's over. What? It stopped. We're done. Well, it's over. No, more, no more coronavirus <laughs> in China. All but no, no, no. But the thing was, though, is that that's why everyone thought that you could control the spread. Um, at least effectively, because what China did was the most extreme thing that you can do. They shut down the entire country. They, I mean, they were they were they were welding doors shut. They were blockading people in apartment complexes, and so everyone said, "Oh my gosh!" Well, I guess if you go that extreme, it will stop. And so then all of a sudden they showed a drop in cases and then no cases, and everyone, well, okay, I guess it worked. And so it wasn't completely ridiculous. I mean, because like I said, I mean, they did something that we can't do. I mean, they were like locking people in apartment complexes. We, you know, thank God can't do that. And so I think it was like, oh, okay, well, if you do something extreme like that, then that's how you can stop the spread. But now we know that that's not true. But the reality is, is that we also now know how quickly it spread to begin with, how many people died to begin with. And so that's why when people said, hmm, why is Italy having such a problem? Why is now New York having such a problem? Even China didn't get that bad. Yeah, they did. They just lied about it. And so now we're finding out that these epicenters aren't anomalies, but in fact, part of a pattern. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, well, and I mean, but did we really not know that? I mean, they were building these massive field hospitals in a matter of what, like two, three weeks. 
they're putting up these massive days. I think it was days they built these things. <laughs> right, these, these massive kind of uh, triage, uh, military-style emergency hospitals. And when all was said and done, they said, yeah, 3,000 people died. And that doesn't really make sense <laughs> when you're talking about the sheer number of hospitals. But let me ask you another question, though, is if we take this to be true, they lied about this. And we know they lied about a lot of the factors as far as, like you said, the transmission, uh, where it came from. We know for a fact they lied about how long they've known about it. There's some people saying, no, maybe the first case wasn't in mid-November. It was August, September. If that's the case and you have the spread as it is, as we take a step back, what do you think that actually means about the models that we are using now? So for instance, if this had been flying into New York for three, four months prior to when we thought it was, mm -hmm. or even just four, five, six weeks longer than we thought, then what does that look like overall as far as what we don't know about who actually already has this, who's already recovered, what type of uh, herd immunity is starting to finally build? Because we're looking at, I mean, we're finally testing and we see a small number um, of people and, and we're getting that number larger so that we can get more data. But if you're talking potentially the fact that people got over this two months ago, what, you know, we have huge gaps in our data now. What do you think that that plays out? Or does that not? See, I, I don't, matter? I mean, I don't think I, this, this is the, this is the Oxford model that came out that said that like, actually this thing has been here for two months or two months earlier than we thought. And everyone's already got it and they recovered. It's not a big deal. That is not, completely impossible but my question is why then are we seeing so many people get so sick right now if this thing has already been here then wouldn't we have been seeing this already i mean yeah it's been a bad flu season so maybe people attributed to that but i mean you look at what's happening in new york i mean we are on the cusp of like it's gonna look like a third world country pretty soon uh florida is starting to see some major gains california may be on that pathway and so if this, th I mean, you're looking at New York. I mean, New York's probably the most visited city, especially if you're talking uh, people from China. They're more likely to go to New York than they are to LA. And so why wasn't China seeing a bump in numbers in their hospitals? Why is it only now that we're aware of it? This thing has begun spreading based on the original timeline that now New York is at a point where its hospitals are overwhelmed. That's what I can't figure out. If this thing's been around for a lot longer than we thought, why is it only now becoming a problem to the point where, you know, as the president said, I mean, we could be in for a really hellish two weeks. That's what I can't figure out is that what is it that's making it so bad right now? Because I'm not seeing any evidence of this herd immunity. It seems like everything is getting worse. All these numbers are getting worse. These cases are getting worse. Hospitals are getting overrun. I mean, like I said, maybe it's just New York, but like I said, we're seeing cases pop up now in Florida. We got that Ron DeSantis won't let that, that ship dock. I mean, it, it's like, this is some crazy times that we're in so much so that now we heard from Dr. Fauci and Dr. Um, Burks that we're looking at best case scenario, hundred thousand deaths. So it's like, why wasn't any of this happening two or three months ago if this got here two or three months ago? Why is it all happening now? That's my only question. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is um, it's it's going after, it's obviously hitting people that are not comparing it to the flu, but people who the flu might have taken out anyway, right? You've got that kind of overlapping anomaly. In fact, in Washington State, I mean, it was kind of affecting uh, retirement homes, right? And places where where people were much higher uh, much higher risk. 
And I think it's interesting when you look at something like Washington State. I mean, yes, they did an earlier aggressive uh, stay-at-home lockdown uh, situation, um, but it seems to have kind of smoothed out a little bit from you know from what it looks well, but, like. But, but my whole point is my whole point is if the if these timelines are to be lead, like the Oxford model, this thing's been around for two months earlier, three months earlier than we thought. Why didn't we see anything before? Like, why didn't Washington have an outbreak three months ago? Why is everyone having an outbreak right now? And oh. and I get the argument that, well, maybe we didn't know about it, but why is it causing such a spike right now? Why is New York having a spike? Why is Washington State having a spike? Why is Florida now having a spike? I mean, it seems like we just got this. We didn't well, get it three months ago. But I, you see, that's where I, I have a hard time looking at the data and saying that because you're looking at part of the curve and it's it's very steep right now, right? Yeah. It, you're looking at three weeks of information, uh -huh. right? Because we weren't doing massive testing. So if you take this part of the chart and go all the way back, say eight weeks before the last three weeks and see what, yes, it's going to continue to climb, but are we in this phase? Or are we in the very beginning? Because that's the thing you're looking at now is that, okay, we're able to attribute, because even, um, you know, I was reading last night, they can't confirm all the cases in Italy. The people that are dying are from coronavirus. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's like your argument you always make about smoking doesn't kill you, but it can cause other things to kill well, you. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but the, well, the reason people are dying in Italy is because um, the resources are being used up. This is actually the reason why the coronavirus deaths are actually going to be much larger than we even think, because- someone who has a heart attack and has to be rushed to the hospital, maybe be put on a ventilator um, or needs just a bed in the ICU is not going to have that option because they're going to be full with coronavirus patients. And so they right. might die because they can't get it. So there are a lot of people dying who have nothing to do with the coronavirus, but it is because of the coronavirus because it's overwhelmed things. My, my whole point is, is that we are doing more now than we have done obviously in the last three months, right? We're doing something we've never done. So how are we still seeing an increase? Once again, if back for three months, this thing was around us, no one cared. We were all just interacting like we always have. No spikes. All of a sudden we see spikes. We then do a complete turnaround, locks thing down, and we're still seeing a spread. That's why I just don't believe this argument that it's been here because we're, I mean, we're self-isolating, locking things down, and we're still passing. I mean, this thing is highly contagious. So if this thing had been here for three months, we would have been seeing all kinds of cases beforehand, some evidence. And I just haven't seen any evidence that it was here. I mean, how, okay. is, it, how is it statistically possible that everyone that got it three months ago was asymptomatic? There had to have been some cases. And it doesn't seem like well, there, there were. were cases, but they didn't know what to look for. So I talked to someone who works in healthcare um, and they were talking about how they had a, uh, a lot of younger people that were coming in around you know, end of middle of December, early January, flu-like symptoms. They were doing six or eight flu tests a day. Two thirds of those were coming back, not flu. That's the only thing they know to test for. Okay. You have flu-like symptoms. It's not the flu. We don't really know what to tell you. They got over it. Right. So when you're not looking for something, you don't know. To, and that's my whole point is like, we're finally measuring data now, but that that's, that's not relevant. Like, yes, we're seeing more cases. We're testing more cases. We're seeing all of this go up. You're seeing more people in the hospital, but you don't know if that is 10% of the people who got this and are very sick or if it's 1%. I mean, in a population of 20 million people in New York, are you saying that this thing is so contagious and you're already seeing four or 500 a day dying that that number is going to be 
five, 10,000 a day, because when you're talking no. about that, I mean, even in a, you're talking about people living in such tight quarters that even in, in lockdown status, they're spreading it to their family. They're touching mailboxes. And I mean, if it's that super contagious in a pop, in, in, in a highly dense urban environment like that, you, you are going to see it spike through the roof. So if this is the early stage and it's still going to, I mean, the initial numbers are that it doubles every two days. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about beyond catastrophic in a place like New York city, not yeah. we've got this <laughs> under control, but I'm, no, I'm saying no, no. not, 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 we need 10,000 ventilators, but like we need 500,000 ventilators. Cause you're talking about 20 million people. Well, no, no. I mean, the death rates only one, the de I mean, the mortality rates, I mean, this isn't Ebola. Um, I mean, the, the, I mean, this is this, the mortality rate of this thing is 1%. So yeah, the majority of people aren't going to be symptomatic. My only question is, I mean, New York is having to bring in refrigerated trucks to get the bodies out. Um, they're running out of ventilators. There would have been something. There would have been some sign like, hey, man, a lot of people are getting sick in New York and it's not the flu. And man, we're using a lot of ventilators. There was nothing. I mean, like I said, I mean, it was a bad flu season, but for us to go from zero to 60, and if this thing had been here for two months, I mean, it, it just, it doesn't make sense if for this thing to grow as quickly as it is right now, I mean, if either you have exponential growth or you don't, you don't not have it. And then all of a sudden get it. And so for right. this thing, for this thing's um, doubling rate to be every two or three days, if this thing got here three months ago, we would be having this problem three months ago. It wouldn't be happening now. Right. But I think the math is exactly what you're saying though. If you're looking at 1% yeah. is right now the say 10,000 people that are in the hospital is that the one percent of of uh, you know a hundred thousand cases? I'm sorry, a million cases, or is that the ten percent of a hundred thousand cases? That's why that matters. You know, is this is that just a tip of the iceberg, or is that maybe ten percent of what all they will see? You know, is it going to be eight hundred deaths? Is that a tenth of what they're going to see, or is that one percent of what they're going to see? And that's a big difference. Well, I mean, it is, but I mean, we, we heard this last night at the press conference is that they're expecting what's happening in New York to get worse. And so if we're still on that upward trajectory and this thing is doubling every three days, then you can kind of figure out when it started. I mean, the, figuring out when it started is actually not that difficult. If you can figure out what the reproduction rate is and the fact that we had no lockdown in place, I mean, it, it's, it's actually not going to be that hard to figure that out because we'll know when the peak is. And so we'll probably reach it. They're saying in two weeks, if we reach it in a week, then yeah, we'll know it started a little bit earlier. If we reach it in three weeks then it actually started later. Um, but once we reach that peak and start going down, we can then go, okay, here was the peak. It was doubling every three days and we can go back to when it started. And yeah, this thing, there may be like 10 or 15 days, 20 days, maybe, but I just, I'm not gonna, I just don't think the evidence is there to believe that this thing made it to the United States four months ago and no one was aware of it until now. I mean, it just seems like it, it's it's too big of a problem and it's, it's happening so much quicker, so fast that that is clearly the growth rate. And so if it was here four months ago, we would be having this problem three months ago. See, the interesting case that I go back to is the cruise. Um, I was watching a clip uh, that was before this was discussed on the Joe Rogan podcast. He had a, a virologist on there who uh, has written books on pandemics and warnings. And he's very dire 
doom and gloom. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. So if you remember um, in that podcast, he says, you know, we had these people on a cruise ship. He said, you've seen a breakout before of norovirus, um, other sort of viral outbreaks on cruise ships. He said, the worst possible thing you can do is leave them on a cruise ship because you're circulating the air on yeah. board. Everybody's in close quarters. Like it is the absolute worst thing that you can do. You need to get them off the ship and into some sort of quarantine situation where, where they're like, just don't leave them on the cruise ship. If you look at the Diamond Princess cruise and look at the numbers from that, where they were in close quarters, they didn't know what this was. So there weren't immediate quarantine procedure. I mean, this was still very early on in what in the world is the coronavirus. You had 3,700 people on the ship. They tested about 600 to 700, got it. Half of them were asymptomatic. Half of them weren't, and you had eight deaths in like pretty much a petri dish. I mean, that's kind of a scientific perfect situation because you're in a controlled environment. You don't know people aren't getting on and off the ship, all this. And that was based on uh, they kept them on the ship for two weeks after the first person got off in Hong Kong and was identified um, as having the virus in, in February. So I just look at that and go, if it really does double and it's super highly contagious, and it has a super high mortality rate. Why didn't it happen there when you have elderly population, close quarters, uh, recirculating internal air, um, you know, buffets, like <laughs> shared space, like the absolute worst case. Like if you've been on a cruise, you don't go, you go, oh my God, did you see what that kid just, I'm not going to eat off that buffet for a little while until somebody comes through and wipes that down. Like it's a pretty gross situation in some aspects. Um, and this is someone who enjoyed a cruise a couple of years ago. Like it's it's great for some <laughs> some purposes, but it's 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 like a germ of phobes nightmare. Like I, that's why I've it. never been on a cruise, and I don't know if I ever will. Um, but no, I mean I, I see your point, but once again, we just don't know. We don't know a lot about the coronavirus and who's who's susceptible. I mean, originally we were told it was only old people, and then we've seen like twenty five and thirty year olds on ventilators. And so, and then of course you see other countries. So obviously China had a problem. Um, Italy has a problem, but like Germany has a crazy low in uh, uh, mortality rate. So there's a lot we don't know about it. That right. We don't. And so I don't know what the makeup of the ship was. I mean, it, it could have been. It was skewed um, elderly actually. Cause they talked about. Well, that's my point though, is that I think that we've kind of thrown it out the window. This idea that the elderly, I mean, obviously the elderly are always at a higher risk. But we have seen cases where young people are getting it and middle-aged people are getting it. And so I don't, we don't seem to understand why certain countries are reacting differently. Like I said, Germany seems to be, has a very low mortality rate versus say Italy. Um, Italy, I think is older, but it's not like, you know, Germany's like super young. And so I just don't think we know. And I still want to know why, and like it's the same thing. Like, why is New York seeing this huge spread? I mean, I know they're more um, uh, densely populated than say, like maybe LA, where you know there's more public transportation in New York. But then, like in DC, you haven't really seen that much, and DC is pretty highly uh, populated area. So there's a lot of things we don't know about it, um, and you know we're we're trying to figure this out. But we, we know the one thing is that China lied. But I also think that it's. I mean, it's a pro I mean, it, it's, it's a huge problem right now in New York. I mean, it, it's like terrifying what is happening in New York. And so, you know, I, I just feel like 
all of these things that have made it a problem in New York. If something were to get released into New York City, we are going to see pretty quickly it be a problem. And so if this thing has been there for three months, I just don't see how we haven't been hearing about things in New York City um, for a while now. I mean, they clearly were quicker than everyone else. I mean, they were the first place we had a problem. And now we're seeing other problem places pop up. But I mean, New Yorkers are fleeing New York because it's so bad up there. I mean, I was just reading a thing about some of these hospitals. I mean, it, it's, it's like a war zone. You go inside these hospitals. And so it just, it, it just, it seems odd that if this thing was in New York city for like three months and no one noticed, and now all of a sudden it's like, this is the worst thing ever. And we're supposed to see three more weeks of this or two more weeks. Um, I don't know. But then again, when we have the peak, we're going to be able to trace it back and figure it out based on its reproduction rate. Um, so we'll know, but yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting to see once we do the antibody test, cause then you'll know how many people have had it. And then once you do that on a broad scale, you can, well, see, okay. I do wonder if people that got the vet, you know, cause I know they said that like, you know, the flu vaccine, you know, I mean, you have to wonder if like, maybe like some of these old people that are taking like, you know, heart medicine that like turned out to be like something that rejected the virus. I mean, like we have, we don't know, we have no right. idea what is going to work against this thing. And so maybe, maybe the reason why we've seen, um, you know, it, it affecting young people is maybe because they're not taking a medicine. I mean, so I, I, I think that's the, what's so bizarre about this thing is everyone in the beginning was like, Oh yeah, only old people. And then all of a sudden young people started getting affected. Everyone's like, Whoa, Whoa, what is this thing? Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. It's very interesting too. I mean, it's SARS and we saw like a 20% mortality rate yeah. with SARS in 2002, I think. And, and, and now that, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it's strange. Let me ask you a question you were talking about the hospital situation and this is truthfully i i'm just trying to gather what information i can so i want to get your opinion on this i i watch as much of the news conferences as i can i watch cuomo's i watch trump's uh twitter in between and and, and everything and you hear yeah. cuomo saying you know we've got to have more ventilators we're in this dire situation you have trump on the other side saying no i've talked to him they don't need them we're we're holding x amount um and so you have this in between and i thought it was interesting and you may have seen me post this on twitter um in between those two press conferences elon musk had tweeted a picture where tesla sent uh like 150 ventilators to the the one hospital that's in the news i can't think of which particular elmhurst was it elmhurst, uh, elmhurst yes yeah. so he sent 150 and there was a picture of the doctors and nurses who were standing there with a nice little you know tesla logo um because he went and flew all these uh, from overseas. And in his tweet, he said, hey, glad you guys got these. If you need any more, let me know. So we have a tweet of Elon sending, I mean, I know it's not 10,000, but he said 150 ventilators saying there are more available. And you have Cuomo saying they're in this dire situation. You have Trump saying they don't need them. I'm just trying to filter through it. I don't know if you had any insight on that. I'm talking a lot with my hands, but you know. I, I mean, I... I don't know enough about the inner workings of the bureaucracy in New York. I mean, cause it's like one minute we need more the next minute we don't. I mean, I think this is just how fluid the situation is. I mean, clear. I mean, the, the it's the other day the, the president was like scolding people who were maybe dismissing this. Like, Oh, there are people that said we should just ride it out. And there are people saying this wasn't a big deal. And it was like the flu. And I was like, I was like, I didn't know who he was talking about. I was like, are you talking about like yourself? Those are, those are kind of the arguments that you were making. And Sean Hannity was making them. I and a lot of people, I mean, uh, what's her name? Uh, Trish Reagan got like 
I don't know if she got fired or not, but she got taken off the air at Fox Business for making these arguments. So he was like throwing a lot of like conservative like media people under the bus when he was saying that. But so I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it's like I, I can't figure out because now all of a sudden, you know, Trump is, I mean, like scolding people for not taking it seriously. Yesterday, Sean Hannity was like blasting the media for not taking it seriously enough. I mean, this is a guy that was like, you know, dismissing it like three weeks ago. So I, I have no idea, it, you know, what is going on behind the scenes because it's like one minute things are not that big of a deal. And then all of a sudden it's like the worst it's ever been. And one minute we need ventilators, the next minute we don't. I mean, it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know enough about what's happening behind the scenes and what can be done. So I'm not going to speculate because this is the, there, there's no field that I know less about than medicine. So I'm going to stay out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so one thing I did want to bring up, and I think this ties in well, I was just talking about Elon getting the, uh, the, the Tesla ventilators over to the uh, to the hospital. Um, what do you think about the dynamic that has come to play out in this scenario without being too extreme, you know, conservative, right versus versus all government. We need uh, universal health care would have fixed everything. When you look at the situation, that seems that for all intents and purposes, the states, the CDC, um, the government run hospitals and certificate of need system seemed ill prepared for this situation. And you have, whether it be the big companies, GM coming in to build ventilators. I saw that Virgin Galactic, uh, Virgin Airlines is building uh, ventilators over in the UK. Uh, you have the MyPillow guy who caught all the flack for being <laughs> in the White House. He's gonna produce like, I don't know, 50,000 masks a day. Um, you've got other companies retrofitting equipment. Um, so what is your thought about how the, pri oh, oh, and that was the other stat I wanted to add is I saw today that out of the uh, million tests uh, conducted, 80% uh, are through private labs. Uh, the, the government is only processing about 200,000 uh, of those million. So I wanted to get your perspective on how you think the private sector and capitalism has kind of jumped in and is picking up the slack versus should Trump have just taken over the private sector and uh, socialized. <laughs> Nationalized. Yeah. 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 They wanted to nationalize all the industries. Um, I mean, I mean, the, yeah, the private sector is always going to be more efficient than the government, but at the same time, I also don't want to bash the government too much because, you know, it's like, why weren't you prepared for a once in a lifetime, you know, pandemic? And it's, you know, I heard someone make the analogy and it's like, how do you plan for something that's never happened before? And we've never had this happen before. I mean, people are like, oh, this is like the Spanish flu. You know, it's like SARS, swine flu. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, but we have never done what we're doing right now. I mean, the Spanish flu, like some places closed down, some didn't. I mean, we have never seen just like the entire country shut down over something. I mean, which is, so how do you plan for it? How do you plan? And so I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's like I said, I mean, someone compared it to 9-11 and said, you know, why would you ever think, to that someone was going to fly planes in, you know, hijackings had happened for a couple decades and it wasn't until, you know, what nine 11 happened where people were like, Oh my God, they can use them as weapons. No one had ever thought that was possible. So it's like, why would you have a scenario for something that doesn't exist? And that's sort of like where we are now. So I don't want to give the government too much flack for being like, why didn't you have everything ready for something that no one ever thought would happen. But I do think that if anyone's going to have, 
um, sort of some slack. If anyone's going to have this sort of excess inventory, it would be the government. I mean, the private sector is not going to do that. It doesn't make sense. You know, they got, they got margins. They got, um, you know, they, they can't just hold on to product, but the government can. And so, you know, people have talked about New York not being prepared and other, I think there are areas where they should be more prepared, but I think sort of, you know, in the aggregate, like this is a once in a lifetime event that's never happened before. And so I don't want to get too mad at the government for not being like, Hey, why didn't you plan for this thing that no one ever thought was going to happen? Um, but it is good to see the government, you know, stepping up. I was actually reading something the other day and they were talking about world war two and everyone's like, Oh man, we're back in world war two and all these companies people forget. And this is what this, I can't remember. I think it might've been I'm not sure where it was now. It might've been commentary. And they were like, it actually took a while and there were some f failures. I mean, it wasn't just like, boom, all these companies in the country got together and started, you know, working for the war effort. I mean, there, there were some mess, there were some, you know, failures and it took a while. And, and I actually think that people might look back and go, wow, things really actually went pretty smoothly with the private sector helping out. But I, I, I just think, you know, a lot of times we look back and think that government was maybe more efficient or the private sector was more efficient. And what we're seeing right now is probably what you'd expect to happen in an event like this. I, I don't think it's bad or good. I think it's just sort of what you'd expect. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think I'm going to agree and disagree with you on, uh, on two different points. I agree. I don't think that anyone should be out bashing the government saying that they've, I mean, the people I see, because most, most of it's to try to own Trump. Um, yeah, you know, or saying, or pump up is he? It's either to own Trump or to pump up Trump's ego. There's like right. no no in between. As, either as, as usual, or, <laughs> um, or this is the worst response we've ever seen to any disaster by any president of all time, because people are well versed on their natural uh, national disasters in the past. But and you kind of brought this up, but that that's where I would disagree. Is that I'm not saying they should have been prepared for coronavirus. But the idea of any sort of viral outbreak, even if you look at it from a military perspective, any sort of biological warfare or an attack, another 9-11, um, anywhere that we say, well, where are the stockpiles of medical equipment? It is, you know, something like a mask and the, the PPE, which they're saying is so scarce across the country. I mean, you're having companies having to start make gowns and masks and and you're having all these universities and and uh, clubs that have 3D printers make the mask. And I saw another place that were making like this overshield that can be reused. Um, it was like they never thought, hey, maybe we should have stockpiles of that in some airplane hangar in Nevada where they keep the aliens or something, right? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I, I do think there's a valid, once again, that the government, if there's one there's one uh, organization in this world that uh, has an unlimited budget. It's the government. And so, you know, a couple extra masks, a couple million extra masks and other equipment is like nothing in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does make sense that they would have this. And so why we don't is is a little sort of bizarre that we don't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're the only ones <laughs> that can do that because businesses can't. I mean, businesses just can't have that much um uh inventory that they're just not planning on using and they can't plan for like this event and so i mean that that's sort of the re the unfortunate reality that's why that's why you need government that's why i'm not a you know an anarchist i believe there needs to be a government this is why government exists and yeah it is a little bizarre that that both at the state and federal level i mean there seem to be lack of supplies on both 
And this is also another reason why, to Trump's credit, uh, a little bit, people are really pumping up like, oh, Trump was really against China. And I was like, yeah, but he was only against the trade deficit. He wasn't against the fact that we were buying stuff from China. He just wanted the trade deficit to be balanced. Um, and that's why he was so excited about the recent phase one trade deal when China announced they were going to be buying more of our um, uh, of our agricultural product. It had nothing to do with manufacturing. We didn't make any. All we're doing is more farming stuff. And so that will lower the trade deficit. But it does it does highlight that there is an issue with um, us buying everything from China because they can kind of if they want to uh, cut off the supply. And that is why I was a supporter of TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership that would have uh, opened up trade channels with all of those other countries in the Pacific and would have reduced China's uh, influence over us and those countries because they wouldn't be relying as much on China anymore. And so I do think the lesson here is we need to reduce our trade with China. They are not a good actor. They need to be punished for this. And, but it's not that we need to end trade with all foreign countries and just be a self-isolated country. What we need to do is work with countries that we can trust and that will be more thankful for our business. And that is the lesson that we need to take away from this because that's one of the other problems is that we have seen China was like, we're going to use all the masks for us. We're not going to send you the masks. And so, you know what? Maybe it does make sense for us to have other trading partners and maybe make some more stuff here. Um, but yeah, I mean, China's going back to where we started. Uh, we're, we're learning a lot about how awful China is. So speaking of that, so if, if we are just to extrapolate, I don't know how much time, I don't know how long you want to go. We're over half an hour now. So you can, you, you can make this last as long as you want to. I'll toss this to you. But just to kind of break that out, if... Obviously, we can't trust China. We knew that before, even during the trade deal, their propaganda machine is saying this is going to be the deal. Trump says it's not. And the truth was somewhere in between. Um, even now, the stuff they're posting on Twitter. In fact, let me pull up uh, because I saved it for this exact purpose. Um, a tweet from kind of the Chinese propaganda. It says COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. have exceeded the number of China. It is solely caused by U.S. government's <laughs> Wuhan imposed a lockdown on January 23rd, sending a clear warning. The U.S. only had one confirmed case then, and there was time. Trump administration has failed the American people. So that's from like the PR of the, uh, the People's Republic of, of China from their Twitter account. Um, so that being said, and you know that there's a large influence in I mean, we see the, the failings of the United Nations uh, when they put human rights violators on the Human Rights Council. Uh, the WHO is yeah. heavily influenced by China. And knowing now, I mean, this intelligence report that came out, um, you know, what do we do? And now that we're in this global society, like, like it or not, if you want to be protectionist, that's a great theory. But the fact you can hop on an airplane and be in any country in the world in a matter of hours, um, what do we do moving forward? Like, how do we track this or trace? I mean, are we just looking at a one world order? Is that what we're getting at? You mean a one world order and that we need like someone policing globalism? Is that what you're talking about? I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, don't we need essentially like the WHO, but with, um, you know, who they trust, who they don't trust, but is monitoring all these things and preventing and saying, hey, we got a well, case of this, monitoring all the hospitals, all the data. I mean, because so quickly it went from some healthcare facility in China to someone in New York, I'm assuming via an airplane, and now here's the situation we're in. 
Well, I mean, the problem is, is that, you know, the World Health Organization is like kowtowing to China. So, you know, this is the problem that you have is I remember reading uh, about the rating agencies that rate bonds. And they said one of the biggest problems that we have with our with our yeah with our financial institutions is the companies that get paid by the the banks um are the ones rating the bonds and so if a bank doesn't like the way you're rating their bonds they're going to go somewhere else so you have like an incentive and so it's kind of like do you really trust the bond rating agencies and by the way that's still a problem and i I don't know how you fix it but it's still going on and we've actually been hearing about this because now there's these new firms so the old ones of like hey we figured it out we're now going to be a little bit more straight laced but now you get these new firms popping up that are like, hey, we'll do whatever. <laughs> and it's forcing like the old firms to go, okay, well, maybe we'll go back to our old ways. So the problem is, is that it's sort of the argument is like, okay, so you have watchers, then who watches the watchers? Then who watches the watchers that are watching the watchers? And it goes on and on and on. And so that's why it really comes down to sort of the idea of, you know, democracy and sort of classical liberalism and sort of personal responsibility and that we all need to be as Reagan says, trust, but verify. So let's work with people. But the minute we lose that trust, you know, it's over. And that's why we need to reevaluate our relationship with China right now specifically. But yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that we just need to be more aware of it because I mean, you're not, we're not going to go back to the 1950s. We're not going to shut down airports and we're not going to just shut all these things down because it doesn't, doesn't make sense to do that. And you, and you can't do that. We would be at a huge disadvantage um, if we were to do that. And so what we need to do is that's why I said, that's why to this day, I, it still ticks me off that TPP got thrown in the garbage can because I think there was just a huge misunderstanding of TPP and people thought that it was about sending jobs overseas and helping China and da, 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 da. And it was actually about reducing China's influence and working with these other countries. Because the reality is, is that we've always believed that spreading democracy um, will then help, you know, we spread democracy and then capitalism follows. Everything's great. Many argue now that the best thing to do is to spread capitalism and then democracy follows is that as these countries get richer, as their people come out of poverty, they then start demanding democracy and demanding fair elections and demanding, and they get educated. And that's how it works. You can't just force democracy on people as we've learned in the middle East and other places. And China was kind of a case study. Because we thought, okay, we're going to let China into the WTO. We're going to let all these open these channels up and they're going to become freer and they haven't. And so the reality is, is that it doesn't always work, but it has been successful in many other cases. The problem with China is their economy is just so big. You know, I mean, we start trading with Vietnam, you know, Vietnam, I don't care how successful they are is never, you know, they're not, they just don't, they don't have the people to become China. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why we, it failed uh, with China is because China just is so powerful just by itself. And also let's not forget, I mean, China also has this sort of historical dominance. <laughs> and so there's like a call. I mean, like it, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to change the culture of China than it will be other countries. Not saying that other countries aren't, haven't been around as long, but China and, you know, the, the dynasties and everything else. I mean, just the role they have in, from a historical context, it is, it was always going to be difficult to change sort of the culture of China and the idea of this sort of, you know, emperor and everything. I mean, Xi Jinping's made himself president for life. And so how do you get rid of that? But I think it will be easier in other countries and we have seen successes. And so this, this shouldn't discourage us to just close up shop and not try and spread capitalism because as other countries get richer, we get richer. I mean, the standard of living in the United States is the highest it's ever been, despite the arguments that we were getting poor because we're, we're shipping all these things all, all over the world. So 
What we need to learn is, is that we need to make sure that we're working with rational actors. We're working with uh, good actors, people that we can trust. And when we don't trust them, it's over. Um, and we're not going to be able to completely cut ties with China, but it would be nice if we started reducing that and found other partners. But not that, okay, we're just going to stop trading globally. I mean, that's, that's kind of a dumb idea. But also what we need to do is, and this is what always drove me nuts about tr Trump, we need to coalesce because if the world coalesces around China, that's how we win. China's big. I mean, China's barely behind us, but we're not going to be able to defeat them when we're also ticking off the European Union and we're also ticking off every other country in the planet, um, you know, Canada, Mexico, and everyone else. So if we all come together and say, hey, China, start acting better, they will be forced to. Um, and so that's one of the other ways that we can take on China is by creating a strong coalition and leading this charge against China. But closing up shop with everyone is not the solution. You know who hasn't had issues with coronavirus? It's North Korea. You know, I think <laughs> no, they haven't. They have no cases. It was, have no you, cases. Know, you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember when Akhmadinejad went to Colombia like yeah. back in 2006 and they asked him about uh, gays and he said, there are no gay people in Iran. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, because you murder them all. But he just like that's they're like, yeah, they just killed everyone that has coronavirus. So there's no actually there's no one with actually there's no one that actually has it because everyone that got sick died. Also, because they probably don't have ventilators. I don't think they actually killed one. They just died because there's nothing there to help them because that country is is hell on earth. Um, but yeah, I mean, North Korea. I mean, what did you see? Did you see the Belarus president? No, I did. Oh not. my God, this is great. So the Belarus president was asked about like the coronavirus, and he goes, <laughs> "I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees." Saying like he's not going to be like kowtowing to this disease. And then I'm not kidding you. He said, he goes, it's not a problem. Look, look where we are. He's, he was going to play in, um, in a hockey match because that's for some reason what uh, leaders in that part of the world do. And he's like, yes, it's great. He's like, like that's, a, that's a refrigerator out there. There's nothing better for your health. And I was like, holy crap, man. This guy, it's like this disease like dies when it's warm out. There's probably nothing better for it than to be in cold. Like, I mean, this guy's like, and not only is the guy just like flat up an idiot, He's actually like giving worse advice. Like, yes, get cold. Cold is good. Cold will kill the disease. It's just like, oh my God. You know, I mean, I like to make fun of Trump and other leaders in this country, but my God, they are light years smarter and less propagandist than, uh, than those, than the president of Belarus. But yeah, he was telling people it's not a big deal. He's not changing anything and uh, was promoting cold as a way to uh, um, help kill the disease. You know, I mean, based on what China's told us, it could work. We don't know. Um, That's true. I did. So kind of back to that point about what are we going to do? I have a theory or not really a theory, but an idea. I hope this is what I hope happens. I don't know if you saw or have checked out the new Apple uh, app that they pushed out for coronavirus. Have you seen that? No, no, I didn't know there was an app for that. Yeah. So they there now is an app for that. They just <laughs> spun out a i mean it it looks phenomenal you open it up and it's just very apple app it feels like you're inside the podcast app or any of their other native apps fantastic app um it's got a symptom checker it goes through ask you a series of questions uh suggest whether or not you should seek medical adv uh, advice if you should stay home if you're fine have you come in contact with people the whole nine yards so they basically put together the cdc guideline in an app fashion got it out through the app store and probably real realistically a week from probably the time they had the idea um, and got it out to people on the Apple platform, which is millions upon millions of people. 
So, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, it's kind of weird that the private sector is asking questions and doing different things and, um, and getting involved in this. But now Apple has a very, very strict privacy policy. All of their health data that they collect on the phone uh, for you is very well protected. Um, I actually trust them a lot when it comes to looking at storage of any sort of medical records. Uh, so m my question is this, is if you look at a situation versus the state of North Carolina trying to push out an app, it would take two years and it would be garbage. Um, even the government can't, I mean, we saw that with healthcare.gov, right? They're not really known for their prowess of doing things well or quickly. Uh, it's usually neither. And so it, does it facilitate for a company like Apple or Google or to work together, this Elon Musk type idea of getting all these uh, people involved globally to be able to push out an app that secures your privacy but then could push out information about uh, an outbreak in your area. Do you have any of these symptoms to quickly collect data to, and, and get it out to people immediately? I mean, do you see that as being something positive that would actually well, I mean, happen? Yeah. But I mean, the problem is, is that you still have a lot of people that don't have smartphones and don't have, you know, cell phones in general. I mean, it, this technology is great. I mean, technology is great, but there's a lot of people that still don't access it, especially around the globe. I mean, the United States is probably one of the best countries. And I still think like 25% of the country doesn't have access to the internet. So, I mean, it's, it's, I doubt they have smartphones. And so that's, that's, that's my only concern. Part is that the smartphones are over. I mean, that's kind of the whole idea behind PayPal and why Facebook is investing so much in those like Wi-Fi satellites. And because there are people who are kind of skipping they're not they they're not getting broadband and they're not getting computers, but they're jumping. They're doing all of their banking um, and everything straight from a phone. That that's kind of the Bitcoin approach. Yeah, I mean it's going to be there, but I, I just don't think I still think you have a, a large population that doesn't have one um, uh, as of now. But then here's the other problem I have is you know I was reading this story on Monday. It's a great story actually from New York, the New York Times, and they were talking about this thermometer company that actually was able to figure out they actually figured out when the 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 outbreak happened because their thermometers are, are wi-fi and they actually collect data and i was like 21st century thermometers are like connected with wi-fi and every year they usually use it to figure out how bad the flu season is because you know temperature fever is the, the first thing right are and they actually like medical grade like large ones that they do in a doctor. No, 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 no. These are, uh, these are personal ones. Yeah. There's like a, I think they said they have a million thermometers out right now. And so these are, these are, I think it might be both. I think they have some in doctor's office and they have some home. Um, and so you probably have to sign up while most people do right terms and agreements. Most people sign up for it. And they said that they saw the spike happen in Florida. When the spring breakers went down there, there was a huge spike and they were trying to alert people about it, but they were like this small company that no one really knew about. And so they finally looked at the data and they've actually shown that since uh, places like New York and others who have put these tight um, shelter in place orders in, they have actually seen the number of cases drop. So there was that, you know, this is on Monday that there was evidence that these policies are actually having an effect. They're actually benefiting people. Um, but, the, but, you know, I read the story and I was thinking like, wow, that's an amazing story. But at the same time, like, once your data is put in and you agree to something, the idea that it's ever going to be sunset, like that's, I think the problem is you have a lot of people who are like, I'm not going to give my data. And so the fewer people that do that, um, the less effective it is. And I think that's the problem you're always going to have is that you have a good amount of people who are skeptical of giving their data up and it's getting bigger. And so 
I think we've I think we've reached a peak in this country of being able to use data for stuff like this because I think people are getting more and more hesitant of doing that. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be a huge amount. Like maybe yeah. it'll go from like ten to twenty percent, but that's a big number that can skew things. So I, I, I like the data idea. I just think you're going to run into that problem of one people not having it. And then two people not wanting to give it up. Yeah. And the government could force people to that's, that's the only reason they can succeed at it. That's my concern is that legislators are going to use this opportunity to do some massive Patriot act, but for medical information, that's going to be way more intrusive than Apple's locked down secure enclave processing of your information. And that's my concern is I would much rather it be, and I don't want it to be Google. <laughs> so it's not like I want just the <laughs> general or some tech company because we know Facebook and Google are the absolute worst when it comes to your data, but Apple, whether for altruistic reasons or just because they could be the outlier and say, look, Google's awful at it, choose us, we're not. Um, you know, I think that'll be interesting, but that would be my hope because I think that that would, I just see them being able to spin up a solution a lot quicker um, than say the CDC trying to push out an emergency app in, t- in, in 10 or 20 years when, when something similar arises again. Yeah. Well, people have said that one of the ways that we could have stopped this or the way that we can make this a little more manageable is a little more surgical with our shutdowns and, and uh, high problematic areas being shut down while more rural areas can probably remain a little bit more in, in function. The only problem that we run into with this, is that in case anyone hasn't noticed, there's only like like 17 cities in this country produce like half our GDP and they're all like crazy populated. So when people are like, well, why don't we just shut down all the big cities? And I'm like, well, because that's the country shutting down. Like if you shut down New York, it shuts down the whole financial uh, entire sector of the, of the country. And it's like, if you shut down Hollywood, then you're shutting down massive production. I mean, so it's like, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of geography. There's a lot of geographical room and space and area. But the reality is there's like 17 cities that produce like half of our GDP. And so if we shut those down, it's going to have a big impact on the economy, whether we keep 80% of the country open or not. And so that's one of the other problems that we run into is if we are more surgical with this, it still can have the same impact because these cities are so important to our overall economy. But I, I think it would help. I think it would help. Definitely. I think there's a way that we can learn from this. Um, I mean, who knows the next time we have this, we'll probably won't even have cell phones. We'll, we'll have like implants in our brains. So it won't even be an issue. They'll automatically just steal our data from us at that point. That's right. They'll just take it right out of our brain. Well, I do have a, a bit of, of potential positive news that I think we should probably end with. And I think that, um, that you'll be as excited about this as I am, is that it seems to be official that next month we're going to have, um, a, 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 a match of Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. <laughs> is that true? I saw that. I don't know if that's true or not. I, don't, I mean, the, they're, they're saying it's confirmed. I, I saw a thread where Mickelson directly said he's working on it. Um, and then Clay Travis uh, tweeted an article about it last night. So I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, it's still a month out. But you see, I think they should do something over Masters weekend. But Well, yeah, I mean, my I never tell you. My, I told you my my idea for Augusta, and I still don't know why they haven't done it. So, um, so there's no sports, as everyone's well aware of. So golf is the only sport that you're still allowed to play, and it's one of the safest sports. And so my my argument was, if I'm Augusta, because Augusta can do whatever it wants. It's it's the mecca. It is the holy land. It is all that is golf. 
And so they can do whatever they want. I mean, remember one time they they didn't have any commercials for their tournament, and there or there was was it Martha Burke was going to protest, and they were like, "Fine, we won't do any commercials." So they could have no, there'd be no spectators. They don't care. You know, that's actually they probably would like it. None of these, you know, plebs coming in and tramping our grass that we that we uh, manicure so nicely. So what they do is is they invite the top fifty golfers in the world. They keep the field small, and they quarantine them for two weeks to make sure they don't have any symptoms and they make them come to Augusta and they have to stay in. I mean, they're already being quarantined. So you might as well do it in Augusta. And then what they do is they do groups of two, like on a Saturday, Saturday or Sunday and they play, but they make sure they don't get any close to each other. And then you just have like a designated pin holder um, on every hole. Who's the only one that touches the pin and then Lysol's the cup after every, after every ball goes in it. And that's what you do. And I think they would be pretty safe. And because it's the only sport that would be on TV, I mean, it would be like Super Bowl numbers. I mean, like everyone would be watching this at Masters. And I don't know why they're not doing it. I mean, to me, it makes like perfect sense. Every golfer would do it. It's freaking Augusta. And it's something to tell your kids about. Like I was part of like that Masters. And it you could do it safely. And it's and there's nothing else on TV. So... I mean, it would just be insane how much how much uh, people would watch that Masters. So, I think they should do it. But I, I, I would I would like to see the Tiger Peyton Manning thing too. So, yeah, I think it would be interesting Peyton versus Brady and golf Tiger. Gotta step up. Yeah, it, well, and that's it. I mean, I I think we talked about this. I, I think it made sense for them to continue. Obviously, the international travel and everything was a was a deal, and so you have the whole. PGA system that's trying to fight with this and fairness and points and all this, but we just want to watch golf. That's all we want to see. I mean, it's so bad. I was watching the 2006 Panthers versus Cowboys last night. <laughs> it was on television because they're doing um, two Sunday night football games every night this week. And that was Romo's first start. Oh my God. Well, that game. But then the next game after it was Cowboys and Giants. And I turned the TV off. I'm like, I'm not that desperate. I'm going to, yeah, no, I'm watching like, Sports movies like Blue Chips. I'm gonna watch that any given Sunday. So here's one. I'm just like something that has like sports in it that just get me uh, back on track. But no, I think golf's got to step up. This is golf's opportunity. Why they're continuing to drop the ball on this? Like this is their opportunity. I know they don't want to look like, and that's why Augusta's like a rare opportunity where they could do this, where they could have no fans, and all the golfers would still show up because it's the freaking Masters. And it's everyone's favorite tournament. I don't care if you're, you know, Tiger Woods or anyone. You love it. You'll you'll do it. They they tell you to jump. You say how high. All right. The rules that exist for Augusta are unlike anywhere else, and they all follow them. All right. So they will follow this. So it's, it's almost like it's an event unlike any other. <laughs> we we we, uh, we had one uh, fan suggestion here, Tyler. I'll throw it up on the screen. Death diving, apparently. So death diving is that the thing where you jump off the cliffs? I have absolutely no idea, but we'll have to look into that. Because <laughs> that's the thing where they jump off the cliffs, like the super high, and there's like the choppy water. I don't know. I'm just maybe maybe I'm making that up. That's, it's diving, and you could die from it. Make- so I think it's I think it's called. Yeah, I mean maybe that's I don't know, but I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Awesome, man. Well, uh, are, are we going to do this again this week? We talked last week about maybe more than once, or we just want to wait next week? Are we gonna talk? I don't know. I don't know. I think I think once a week. I mean, I got. Once a week works for me. I can't. Uh, I can't ruin. I can't ruin this prize voice too much. It's already a little. Yeah, that that's perfect for me, and um, that'll give us enough time to have more data to argue about next week. 
So then it's either going to be getting better or yes, worse, right? Exactly. Exactly. I'll, I'll take those that Vegas odds. That's right. true. One way or the other. All right, man. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's hope for the best and, uh, we'll see you next week and see how it's going. All right, dude. I'll see you next week.